Have you ever been so overwhelmed by what you should or shouldn't eat that you end up either eating it all or nothing at all? Ladies, if you've ever been at that fork in the road and just felt discouraged, today's episode is something that I think will be incredibly helpful for you guys. I have one of my favorite dietitians on with me today. Her name is Bryn Smith. Bryn has been a dietitian for five years. I've been fortunate enough to work with her for six years in a row. She has worked in corporate wellness, outpatient setting. She's also done some work with the Special Olympics and has taught at the university. I want to give you guys some insight as to what kind of dietitian Bryn is. She is the kind of dietitian that it takes over two months to get onto her calendar because she is that good. And I want to tell you a little story about how I met her. She was actually my student and long story short, I was having something that I was struggling with and I shared the problem with Bryn. And in literally one sentence, Bryn both grounded me and helped me to refocus my problem in alignment with my core values. Ladies, Brynn is a woman of deep faith and it shows in the peace and calmness and unconditional love that she brings to every person, not just the clients, but every person she interacts with. So excited to have her on the show today. We are going to dive into this model that we've put together called Empowered Eating that really is this blueprint to help you navigate these nutrition choices so you don't find yourself in that fork between Like I'm so overwhelmed that I'm going to do the all or nothing thing that I've done forever. Um, We both have been there and we're really ready to help you guys break that cycle and find a better way. What's up friends? Welcome to the Fuel Her Awesome podcast. It's time to finally break up with dieting and choose to live boldly and unapologetically in that bodacious body of yours. If you've had enough of your inner awesome being eclipsed by body hate and you're drowning in that sea of nutrition info out there, girl... I made this podcast for you. Become the healthiest and most energized version of yourself through confidence, food freedom, faith, and body empowerment from science-backed nutrition and energizing foods with a little wiggle room. Because who doesn't want a side of donuts and a little wine does the body good? (laughs) I'm Jess, a body bully warrior, registered dietitian, and food freedom guru. I believe that when we stop letting culture define health, beauty, and what we should and shouldn't eat, we can finally live free in our own bodies. Are you ready to channel your inner awesome at a whole nother level? Grab a cup of coffee or lace up those running shoes and let's dive in to today's show. Bryn, I'm so excited to have you on today. Um, We're going to be talking about empowered eating. I'm so excited. This is great. So empowered eating, this is a concept that we came up with in your office randomly. (laughs) One of those great in-between client conversations where genius is born. Yes. (laughs) So before we dive into that though, just give us a little background. What makes you so passionate about teaching people empowered eating? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's been just this long journey um, to get to a place where I feel like I'm an empowered eater and like the freedom that I have in that is just something that I want to share with everybody else. So like a little bit of backstory on me is I grew up in this, I grew up in a great family. Like I love my family. My parents are fantastic. I have a really cool brother um, and my parents were very health conscious growing up and like that was always great. And I remember always having a love for food, right? I remember sitting as a kid reading nutrition labels 
on cereal boxes as I ate my cereal in the morning. Not because I was scared of the numbers or anything, but I was just like fascinated. I was like, oh my gosh, this has phosphorus. I wonder what that does. Your um, nerdum started early. Oh, it started so early. Like I look back and I'm like, okay, I was supposed to be a dietitian from the beginning. <laughs> I loved it. But when that love of food grew, I was in a really vulnerable place in life, being in middle school and high school and being a girl in those ages. Oh my gosh, middle school is... It's tough. It's rough. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And so while I wanted to like be healthy and pursue health, I got really misguided in it and started to diet when I was in high school and had some really disordered behaviors um, of over-exercising. I would restrict and then overeat and like kind of get into this place where I just felt totally out of control with food, um, developed a lot of food rules. And what's one of the food rules you remember? I remember like having to calculate everything I had for breakfast and lunch. And then I'd go to the gym and, and exercise on the elliptical till I could get rid of it. Oh, so like if you hit 300 calories for breakfast, yeah. you had to run 300 calories yep. on the treadmill. Yeah, that was definitely one. But then it kind of, there was like this secret life going on as well, because there were things that we couldn't really have often in the house. And I remember like sneaking mm-hmm. them, but, and so then like feeling really bad about sneaking them. Like the forbidden foods. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there was this really kind of messed up relationship with food growing, um, which really started like from a really good place, a really cool place, and then just got twisted. So I went to college, yes. um, decided I wanted to go into nutrition, loved it, but was still dealing with a lot of a lot of fear around food, a lot of shame around my body and around liking foods. Like I don't know if you experienced this going into nutrition classes and you're like, learning about all of these foods and what they quote unquote can do to the body. And it's like, but I really love potato chips. Yeah. It's like, it's really conflicting. It is. You get, cause you get, yeah, the, the chemistry behind like what happens in your body when you have certain foods, mm-hmm. but then you go and have them with your friends and they taste really good. Right. And I don't know about you, but in our training, that was hard to navigate because Absolutely. it was so science focused. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And there's like lack of focus on like the human as a whole. Um, right. Yeah. And the psychology behind eating, exactly. which is up, it sounds like up until this point, that was your experience was with food was mm-hmm. like the, the battle between like, what's forbidden? What am I allowed to have? Right. And then some of the insecurity that's popping up in there. Oh, absolutely. Now you're in college, this transition yeah. in life, major yeah. transition, major transition. And I like have one really clear story. I remember, uh, when I was choosing colleges, I was really excited to go to UNM because my brother was there and he was really into fitness. And so I was talking to my best friend and I was like, yeah, if I go to UNM, I'm not going to gain weight. And she looked at me. She's like, why is that your <laughs> biggest worry? Wow. Yeah. So, and what made UNM like the non-weight gain university? <laughs> yeah. It was just because my brother was there. So he was going to whip me into shape. And, like, uh, was, okay. Yeah. And so I remember seeing this. So that's where I was in college, like in that mindset, learning about food and learning about the body. Um, and then I wanted to go out and save the world. Um, I wanted to help everybody lose weight and be healthy. And that was my goal when I graduated. Well, you know, what's so interesting is it's like your own insecurity was there. And it was, I mean, the fact that you were looking at choosing a university based on what your body weight would be, right, is yeah. is pretty, shows how deep, like, some of the diet culture stuff can run in us. Absolutely. And then it shows up in your practice mm-hmm. because it's like, okay, now I'm going out into the world and right. I'm going to help other people with the one thing I struggle with. Yeah. Which I can totally relate to that. I mean, I remember in my training, 
So my my background, like I went back to school to be a dietitian to work with eating disorders. So I was coming at it from this very like eating disordered angle. But I remember one of my first clients, she was she did lose a little bit of weight and I was from this like I was coming from the space of, you know, feel good in your body. It's okay to feel empowered. So she comes in and she's like, oh, I lost some weight and I am getting on my cheerleader suit, you know, like, good job, congratulations. And um, she just looks at me with this kind of cold stare. And I said, well, what's wrong? You know, there's nothing wrong with like feeling good and feeling womanly. And she just looked at me and said, maybe for you. Mm-hmm. And I <laughs> like, <Right>. whoa, <laughs> it just stopped me in my tracks. And it made me realize like my own experiences can't always help people because everybody has different experiences. Right. Right. And that's coming at it now. Like I've now walked through this process of understanding my relationship with food and helping heal that. I was fortunate enough to work with you and some other really cool dietitians at Sandia Labs where I learned about mindfulness and learned about like actually listening to my body. And that's what helped me break out and start to understand that people do come into the room with their own stuff and I can't decide what's right for them. Yes. Right. And so that's been probably like the biggest thing in my life, in my career, working with people. And why I'm so excited about empowered eating is that it isn't one size fits all. Right. Right. And your your background really solidifies that. And I think it probably gives you the empathy that I, I see you have with all your patients. Guys, if you don't know Brynn, like her empathy stretches, it's just endless. I mean, she's able to take clients and really meet them where they're at. And it sounds like your own experiences really put you there. It's like, even though you may not understand their specific situation, you know what it's like to be in a place of struggling with food right. and like feeling like you might have the answer, but don't. Right. And so, yeah, I've just been very fortunate to to walk into rooms with really brilliant dietitians and really brilliant like health professionals who have helped me like shape this idea and start to understand all of these concepts. Um, and then working with eating disorders, which funny story is something I vowed I would never work with when <laughs> Are you I was kidding? in college. <laughs> really? <laughs> really. I, I remember leaving some classes saying I will never ever work with an eating disorder. And then I fell in love with it. It captured me. It <laughs> sucks you it. in, doesn't it? Does. It does. It does. Because this is, as I was walking through my own process of finding freedom with food and getting to experience what it's like to to listen to my body and actually feel empowered by the fact that it's like, oh, I can eat this food if I want to, and I can choose to not eat it if I don't want to in that moment, Mm -hmm. which was something I hadn't experienced before. It was like food had this tractor beam almost. And so as I started to experience that freedom, it was like, how could I not want to help other people find this as well? Um, And that's what I love so much about getting to do this work and I love about empowered eating is the freedom that people find in it. And, And they come in and they're so excited about something like, I was able to say no to this cookie that I don't even like. And it's like, oh, awesome. Or I was able to say yes and eat the chips and not have a problem with it. It's like, oh, this is amazing. Like getting to celebrate those little victories with everyone. Right. Because they seem little, but they're actually quite big. They are. Yeah. And being yes. able to enjoy those things like in either direction, like saying yes or saying no without guilt, right. it like frees up your life and your energy for the stuff that really matters. Exactly. I mean, I always give the example of the birthday parties. I mean, how many times have you worked with clients that go to birthday parties and more energy is spent agonizing over the food decisions 
than enjoying like the kid's birthday. Right. Yeah. And so it's so cool to watch people be able to be much more present in their lives. Yes. I love that. Yes. Okay. So this idea of empowered eating, it was like you said, birthed in between clients in a conversation in your office. And I actually came to you like I always do when I'm having an issue. I run to Brynn and I say, Brynn, can we talk this out? As you know, I'm creating an app and I'm super excited about it, but being in the eating disorder treatment world, we're really sensitive to this idea of weight loss mm-hmm. because weight loss is tricky. Very much so. Yeah. It's like for some people, it can be very helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, for a lot of people, it's a shame spiral. Mm-hmm. Um, for other people, it's just point blank dangerous. Right. So it's very tricky. So I'm creating this app and in the app, people have, they create a meal plan and they set their goal initially. And so I have four goal options. It's um, optimize your energy, increase your lean body mass, increase your performance, and then weight loss is one of them. And I was struggling with that because I thought, oh no, am I going to be blacklisted from the eating disorder community? You know, is this okay? Mm -hmm. So I came to you and I said, Bryn, you know, I'm struggling. It feels like there's these two extremes. Like on the one side, we want to be anti-diet and anti-diet culture. Mm-hmm. And I sit with that a hundred percent because it's so dangerous and I think right. damaging to our psyche. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, we've got people who may not have an eating disorder and may not have as emotionally invested of struggles in mm-hmm. food who would benefit from eating in a way that would ignite weight, weight loss. And so I came to you and I said, I, I just, how can these two things live in the same world? And empowered eating was born. Yes. <laughs> Before we dive into it, though, let's make do a few definitions. Okay. So what exactly, or how do you define diet culture? I define diet culture as like a system that we live in, which actually this is not my own definition. This is from a TED Talk I watched one time, and I wish I could reference it. Uh, Maybe we can so find it. If I can find yeah. it, I'll link it in the show notes. Great, great. Uh, but from... A woman who is actually getting her PhD studying diet culture, and she says that it is a system of beliefs and knowledge which assigns moral value to food and health decisions, basically. I love it. Yes. And so it's telling people they are right or wrong based off of their own personal health decisions that they're making, which can just be so damaging. Yeah, yeah, that moral compass of food. Mm-hmm. One of the definitions I've heard is really similar to that, and it's that um, the value of aesthetics over actual health so in other words it's like we're valuing the appearance of the body rather than what's truly going on internally and I I think we see that in weight loss like people if they want to lose weight it's all externally driven like Mm -hmm. I want to look a certain way I want to you know be able to wear jeans a certain way or whatever but internally they could be putting their body in such a state of starvation right which I talked a little bit about in this the last episode of why diets don't work and just what happens when we go into that extreme of a calorie deficit yeah yeah so this is the piece of empowered eating that we're in empowered eating that we're hanging on to tight Mm -hmm. is fighting this diet culture mentality that the way you look and the moral compass Mm -hmm. is valued above the physical and physiological and psychological health right Right, exactly. So we're really fighting against like that there is a better body than the one you're in right now. Yes, yes. Okay, and so what kind of impact do you think diet culture has on us? Gosh, the impact of diet culture I think is massive. Um, Everything from, well, people's minds are so consumed just with how their body looks all the time, right? We talked about it a little bit earlier of people are just are not able to be present. 
um, in their lives because they're worried about how do I look in these jeans or what does this shirt do for me or like is my is my butt perky enough? <laughs> That's the new one. <laughs> yes, exactly. Butts are the new boobs. Yes, um, and so it's it's taking away like just our ability to be present in our relationships, be present in the moment, um, and enjoy life. Really, when we're so consumed with you know, how many calories are in this food or is this on my diet plan or how will this like impact how my body looks? It takes away from things like happy hours with friends when we can get back to those or being able to enjoy hot cocoa with your kids on like a a movie Friday night. Right. Right. Um, And so I think that's one of the biggest things. And, and it takes away so many, so many people's like passion for things like if they weren't so consumed with changing their oh, body, yes. like how, how many other cool things could we pursue? That's the most frustrating part about this career, I think, is mm-hmm. like I'm thinking of this one client in particular who um, she came to me initially for weight loss and she was like, I want to lose this weight because then I can be this influential person. And I, I kept asking, I was like, why, why does you know 15 pounds suddenly make you or qualify you to be influential? Right. Don't you think people would rather like be a part of your journey, even if, if that's where you go. I mean, mm-hmm. it's really powerful, one, to be vulnerable right. in your journey, but also to like accept even the parts of you that you may not love. Right, right. Wait, you had mentioned a, a study, Bryn, a while back about um, kindergarten, was it kindergartners or grade school girls that would rather lose an arm? Right, yeah, it's some crazy percentage. Now I can't remember if it's 60 or 80% of kindergartners would rather lose an arm than be fat. So we see this fat phobia is just permeating our culture. Like even little kids. Yeah. Little kids are so scared of it. And like, I can relate with that. I was a chubby kid. I always wanted to not be chubby, but like I at least got to enjoy my life. And I never thought about rather losing an arm. Yeah. I mean, and a lot of that's got to be social media. Oh, absolutely. And how easily accessible you know, this thin ideal, or I really think it's a fit ideal now. I think the thin ideal has kind of run its course. It's now like this like thick thighs, big butt, you know, Mm -hmm. this, this fit ideal is what people are after. Right. God, lose an arm. I know. I know. Like your arms are great. I want you to be able to hug everybody (laughs) no matter what body you're in. Right. But how sad that like they're here and they're learning that from somewhere, whether it's from, you know, I, I think parents oftentimes do this without even realizing it, where we put value on body appearance over health. Right. And I, I don't think it's a it's ill intent. I don't think mm-hmm. we're meaning to. I just think it's so deeply ingrained in our normal that we don't even pick up on doing it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the, the danger of diet culture is it is so so normal and natural to us. Now. Yes. When I recorded the first episode, I shared my story and in sharing it, I realized that like when I went into my disordered eating, mm-hmm. it was crazy how normal the disordered stuff felt. Right. Like I don't remember the first time I decided to engage in, you know, purging or like what you were talking about, like the rules of um, if I eat this many calories, I have to burn it off. I did that same stuff. Right. It's like, I don't know when I started, but it felt normal. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's terrifying. It is. I'm like thinking of my is. kids. Gosh, if they were doing yeah. that, I'd... Oh my gosh, it breaks my heart to even think about. Okay, so we've got what diet culture is and really just how deeply it impacts us. We hear words like empowered eating and then there's intuitive eating floating out there. So first of all, what is intuitive eating? Yeah, and so intuitive eating, I love that it's becoming more popular, but I always want to make sure that people understand what it is. At its roots, intuitive eating is 
listening to your internal cues. So what your body is telling you, listening to its hunger cues, its fullness cues, how it responds to food, but then balancing that with external knowledge as well. And so finding this place of what um, the creators of um, intuitive eating call authentic health. Mm -hmm. Um, So listening to your body and then applying knowledge. So knowing that like we talk about this all the time, like after a long run, I don't want to eat, but I know that that's what my body needs. And so that's the healthiest thing for me to do in that moment. Right. Um, yeah. Or like sometimes I'm really hungry, so I eat more food or less hungry. So I eat less food. Right. And I think that's where the intuitive eating piece can get lost. Mm-hmm. Cause at least when some people are first introduced to the concept, right. they're, they're kind of like this, Oh, it's eat whatever I want, whenever I want. Exactly. And there's a part of that that's true. But the, like you said, after a run, you're not hungry. So mm-hmm. if you were following that, that first like methodology, right. you'd actually be putting yourself in a worse spot by intuitively eating. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So when we were talking about it, this is where we really decided to add another layer to it to create this empowered eating model, which right. is what we use to treat our clients. Yes. So what is the difference between empowered eating and intuitive eating? Yeah. And so empowered eating is really built on the shoulders of intuitive eating. Um, and so we realized like there's this huge piece missing of, of values, right? And so that's, that's really where you came in, Jess, was like, I need to, to be able to be at peace with it's okay if somebody wants to change their body, right? As long as it's not damaging to them, they're listening to their internal cues, they're being smart about it with their external knowledge, and it's not inhibiting their life in any way. Um, And so that's where we really pulled in the values piece to start to understand what is most important to people. Um, Because I think one of the hard things as a dietitian is that we walk into the the office with our own values as well. For sure, yep. And expect everyone else to have the same values that we do, but we need to lay those aside and start to identify what are our clients' values to help them pursue that and figure out how food and fitness can help them. I was coming into these sessions with this value of anti-diet culture. And so I was wanting people to reject the diet mentality, you know, let go of the desire to lose weight and just get comfortable in their body. Well, That might be really easy for me to say. Who's to say that's easy for someone else to say? Right. And then I think I was really humbled because I started working with uh, UFC fighters, mm-hmm. and they're in, it's just a different world. Absolutely. But you can't walk into you know a UFC fighter who's a professional fighter, and their ability to uh, make weight impacts their entire income and their ability to carry on in their career. Yeah. And so there, you know, that's where this layer of layering values on top of the other two concepts of internal awareness Mm -hmm. and external knowledge (laughs) is really, really powerful. So now we integrate what we call our nutrition North Stars. So nutrition North Stars is a term that you and I use every day in our office with our clients. And to me, it means the things that you look to to guide your decision making when you're trying to, one, set your goals. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, first of all, set your vision statement because I'm a big fan of like, what's the 90 day goal that we're after? And then two, set your weekly goals and three, navigate those daily nutrition and exercise choices. Because those, those North stars help to navigate like different days. Cause it's not always going to be the right decision to work out. And it's not always going to be the right decision to not work out. And so like each day is going to be different. So those North stars definitely give you that guiding post. Right. And this is the concept of balancing discipline and permission. And you know, this is why I have a hard time giving health and nutrition recommendations on platforms like social media. This makes me think of the example of the donut victory. Mm-hmm. And the donut victory, what it is, is it's like the idea that there can be a donut sitting in a break room and somebody feeling like they had a victorious interaction with the donut is totally different depending on the person and depending on the day. 
So for one person, it might be walking by and being able to walk by and not obsess about having the donut the rest of the day. For another person, it might be walking in and picking up a donut and eating it without guilt. For another person, it might be having half the donut. Like everybody's donut victory is different. Mm -hmm. And this is where, again, those blanket diet recommendations can be really dangerous because if I'm not grounded in my own, or if I'm not, you know, actively looking to my nutrition North stars, Mm -hmm. I could be distracted by it. Like, oh, hey, she's trying to not eat the donut. So I'm going to try to not eat the donut. Whether or not that's helpful to me, I don't know. And that's why I love the term empowered eating. And that's why we actually came to it is because it's not about like a specific style of eating. It's not about always hitting these like very specific goals, but it is about what makes you feel most confident in your eating choices and your health choices. Right. It's a blueprint. Exactly. It's a blueprint to navigate. There was some study um, by Dr. Brian Wansink that said we make over 270 nutrition choices in a day. 270. Yeah, that's a lot. It's so many. No <laughs> wonder I'm tired at the end of the day. Right? That's just nutrition choices. <laughs> so it's like to be able to navigate those, there's no way we can do that with like black or white rules. Absolutely. We've got to have critical thinking and the ability to be flexible and balance that discipline and permission. So can you think of any specific successes that you've had in counseling people around the concept of empowered eating? Absolutely. And so I can remember this one conversation I had with a client um, and they were talking about, I wish you guys could see me right now because they get their fingers and kind of like <laughs> wiggle them. Like there's this like eating that they do at night that they're like, oh, this is my time. And it was kind of like this like dubious, devious eating. And so we were, t- we were talking about that and talking about how there's this like, like desire to sneak it because one, they felt shame about what they were eating and they felt like they shouldn't be eating it. Um, and then it led to this like... Was it a specific food or was it just at night? It was just at night. Okay. Right. It was The like, forbidden night eating. Yes. The forbidden night eating. It's after 6 p.m. How dare you? Um, <laughs> who came kidding, up with a, that rule? <laughs> who you talk to is a different time every time. Um, and so, but what this led to is them feeling totally out of control in the evening and like eating way more, feeling sluggish, like not being able to sleep well afterwards. Um, and so we started talking about it and it's like, okay, well, what is going on? at this time and they're like, well, this is really like the me time that I get because, mm. you know, during the day I am wife, I am mom, I am all these other things and this is my me time and I don't know how else to have that because I've been a mom for this many years and so it's like, I haven't had me time. Yeah. And so we started talking about, okay, well, what if first of all, we just said you have like complete permission to eat any food at night and she just stopped and like, she's probably me. terrified. Oh, terrified. She's like, <laughs> never gonna stop and I was like okay we're just gonna try it right we're gonna try it um and so she found that she was she was still eating at night and then she was just much more aware of it and being like okay like I'm allowed to eat this food I'm allowed to have fun with food um and then we started kind of building in this idea of like well what if we kind of continue to combat the shame and you eat it in front of somebody Ooh. yeah <laughs> and so it's this like bringing it into the light and she found that she like really enjoyed the food so much more. She was able to listen to her body so much more. It didn't lead to this out of control eating, but I was like, great, I'm going to go have gummy worms. And she would go and sit and have gummy worms and eat them and then be done. And she was sleeping a whole lot better. She didn't feel sluggish. Like the next morning she didn't feel like bloated. And so she was just, it was like that decision to bring her eating into the light and like feel confident in it. Like letting go of the shame. Yeah. So when you said, when you first said to her, I want you to eat in front of someone. Was it her husband? It was. What did she say to that? She was kind of like, uh, it was like this like blank stare. Like, (laughs) I never thought about that. (laughs) 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, it is a little bit of owning what you are doing, which most of us don't want to do. I know, like for me right now, I always joke that my credit card bill has to be viewed by my husband. Like (laughs) if I don't let him see what I'm spending money on, I'll go crazy. But as long as I pull it out and I show him, you know, he's not mad. He's never shame, you know, shaming me for the another pair of shoes that I have bought, but it suddenly removes that shame and I seem to rein it in more, right? It's when there's something about the secret, like the secretive nature of eating, shopping, drinking, right? whatever it is. Right. You pull it out in the light and suddenly it loses its power. Absolutely. And that's what I love is like secrets totally steal your power, Mm -hmm. right? And every time like food rules will take your power, secrets take your power. And so it's like as we start to break these and as we start to bring them into the light, like that's just claiming little bits of power again back, which is like what I love to watch clients do. Oh, it's fascinating, isn't it? Absolutely. And how many times have you had a client come in and have so much judgment and fear to tell you something and you normalize it for them and like their face, right? I mean, this is one of my favorite parts about what we do is when people, it's almost like coming to confession. Absolutely. (laughs) We are the the priest, the confession priest of uh, the food world. And we just kind of say, okay, like Mm -hmm. we're not surprised. We've heard it all, right? Oh, absolutely. I've heard like I've binged on one cupcake. I binged on 23 Happy Meals. I mean, I've heard the whole range and I can tell you every single time I got a flat face because I'm just so grateful that they told me and they pulled that out of the dark. And that is like one of the biggest challenging things to diet culture where there is so much shame and judgment like tied up in food decisions. Mm -hmm. Like just being able to like express that to somebody and be met with empathy and it's, yeah, I love doing that for people. I love it. I always tell people, I'm like, you don't have to confess the food to me. Like, <laughs> right. Like, we'll talk about it, but it's definitely not. I call it the food fashions. The food fashions. That's right. I yeah. forgot you called it that. That's amazing. Yes. Oh, it's always funny when people come in, they're like, oh, I was so bad. And I'm like, did you rob a bank? Right. Should I be calling the cops right now? And then they're like, I had pizza. And I'm like, oh gosh, I'm bad pretty often. Right. <laughs> then lock us all up, especially yeah. Friday nights, right? Exactly. Yeah. And that's, again, that moral compass. It gets attached to our food decisions, which is really unfortunate because, yeah, there's nothing wrong with eating pizza. Right. And really, I think there's empowerment in that ownership. Absolutely. So when we pull it out of the dark and we own it, like I'm making this decision, suddenly we're in charge of it and we have the choice to engage in it or not engage in it. And I think there's power in that permission, like what you said to her, instead of saying like, let's not eat at night, let's cut the clock at five o'clock and lock the kitchen doors. Mm -hmm. No, instead you said, all right, let's own it. You know, let's eat the food, let's eat it in front of someone, and let's own your decision. And it sounds like over time that served her far better than like starting some intermittent fasting thing that ends her eating at five. Absolutely. Yeah. I always talk to clients about this. I think you say this too, Jess, the permission paradox, Mm -hmm. right? Where people are terrified if they give themselves permission, it's just going to go like, go, go, go and like never stop. But I always liken permission kind of like a Chinese finger trap where it's like, if you're doing something and you don't feel comfortable with it, the natural reaction with a Chinese finger trap is to keep pulling and keep pulling away and away and away. And so it's like, with food, it's like, okay, I need to cut this food out. I need to not have it in my house. And that just keeps getting you more and more trapped. Yeah. And so then the permission paradox, as you give yourself permission, it's like bringing the Chinese finger trap back in and it actually frees you and releases you. I love that visualization. Wow. That's, yeah, that's incredible. The permission thing I think is scary for people, but I have not yet had it fail. 
Me neither. The closest it came to, quote, failing, um, it wasn't a failure, but she thought it might be, is that um, I had a gal who was really restrictive on packaged cookies, but it was something she loved so much, specifically Oreos. So they reminded her of her childhood. She had great memories with them. She wanted to have them with her kids. And she said, Jess, you know, I just, I wish I could have these, but I can't. And I said, well, first it says who, but, <laughs> you know. So she, I said, let's do this. I want you to pick them up from the store. It was Friday. I said, pick them up from the store, go home, and I want you to have them over the weekend. And she said, okay, how many? <laughs> you know me, I'm like, yeah. well, however many you want. Yeah. Like, let's just try an experiment. Mm-hmm. I said, nothing detrimental can happen to your body from one package of Oreos. So she bought them. She went home and she ate two of the whole sleeves. Mm -hmm. She actually texted me. She was so furious. She's like, I told you I, I went overboard. And I just asked her to like sit with the discomfort, you know? And I said, instead of judging yourself for this, instead of getting upset at yourself, can we just sit with the fact that you ate two rows of Oreos? Like you're still this amazing mom. You're still this wonderful human. And let's just sit with it. We'll wake up tomorrow and decide what to do before we do anything extreme. So she said, okay. She woke up the next day and um, went through the day. She ended up eating half a row the next day. She was still mad at herself. She texted me. She said, see, I still have no control. We did the same thing. Like, let's just sit with the discomfort. We don't need to do anything crazy. We'll wake up tomorrow and see what happens. She woke up the third day and she said, uh, I don't want any more Oreos. <laughs> and I said, okay. <laughs> um, what do you think about that? She goes, well, I think I, I quenched my thirst for Oreos. She didn't finish that Oreo pack. It took her about two months to finally finish the rest of the Oreos. So even though initially she felt pretty crummy and icky, Mm -hmm. it was like the experience of that, that even just like giving herself the permission and then sitting with the discomfort Mm -hmm. allowed her to find balance over time, which was really powerful. Now she has Oreos whenever. So there is that like definite period of discomfort that you have to work through (laughs) and of, of exploring foods. But then, yeah, we see with your client, like the power that she has now and the Oreos no longer have that power over her. But it's that discomfort that I think is scary. Mm -hmm. Although I will say, I think our culture has become very sensitive to being uncomfortable. We've Mm -hmm. become, there's almost this like, or this thought that if we are uncomfortable or in discomfort, we've done something wrong rather than leaning into this discomfort and understanding like, I've never done anything worth doing that didn't feel uncomfortable at some oh, point. absolutely not. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, yeah, leaning into that discomfort. Okay, so we've got this model of empowered eating. It's worked fabulously with our clients over the last few years. Um, it's, again, this idea of balancing internal awareness with nutrition, external nutrition knowledge, mm-hmm. and then layering your values on top of that. Right. So what's most important to you? So this three-tiered model is something that we're really trying to put together and serve people with. We're going to be bringing a lot more to our online community about this. Um, We're actually putting together an e-course for you guys. Um, If you want more information on that, make sure you sign up for my newsletter at jessbrownrd.com. So to wrap up today, Bryn, do you have any resources? Because obviously our e-course isn't out yet. Um, We're looking at launching it March. March. Yes. Look for it in March. We're saying it on here to hold ourselves accountable. Yes, we need deadlines. <laughs> so until then, though, do you have any resources that you recommend on the topics of intuitive eating? Absolutely. I mean, there's definitely the book, Intuitive Eating, which is a great starting place. And then there's a great website, which it's geared towards people who struggle with eating disorders, but I think anybody can get great knowledge from it. And it's Recovery Warriors, because they talk about mm-hmm. you know battling diet culture all the time and really feeling like your food choices are yours. So those are great places to start. You can look on social media. I know following Jess here, um, (laughs) shameless plug, 
um, <laughs> Jess Brown RD is a great place to start. And there's a lot of other really cool um, clinicians out there working with this. There really are. I mean, intuitive eating, it's actually one of the top buzzwords for diets in 2020, which is, is, is cool. It's, it is cool. Yeah. It's ironic that it's a fad diet of 2020. It's not a fad diet. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It's not at all. Oh, Brand, I'm so excited that you're here. I'm really looking forward to the new ways we're going to be um, just providing resources for folks. Uh, hopefully we can get more people enjoying birthday parties. And Friday night pizzas. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope today strengthened your food journey and empowered you to live boldly in your body. Real quick, sister, before you go, if you liked today's episode, please take a minute to head on over to iTunes, Fuel Her Awesome Podcast, and leave me a review. Ladies, can you imagine how much better our world would be if women everywhere were free from diet culture and misguided nutrition advice, and they had the ability to step into their full potential? If you have a girlfriend in mind that you know is amazing, but she's held back by body, diet, or diet culture hangups, please join the mission and share this episode on your social media. Don't forget to tag me at JessBrownRD. And if you want more on overcoming body image and insecurity, my 10-step ebook is a great place to start. Head on over to JessBrownRD.com and use the code LOVEMYBODY20 to save 20% through the end of January. Can't wait to chat more. Until next time, babes, cheers and happy eating.